But what happens mm. with a big steamy pile of manure? Well, it attracts, sadly, flies it and other icky flies things. of yeah. all kinds. Yeah. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Send me Welcome to the Gospel Center Pray Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about three parables, some biblical and some maybe extra biblical, that will help you as a sidewalk counselor or any other pro-life ministry you're involved in. So stay tuned. Send me, Lord. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'd appreciate if you guys would share these podcasts. We hope they're a blessing to you. And uh, we're going to cover a subject today that I think will be uh, particularly applicable to sidewalk counseling, but could be applicable to a lot of other pro life ministries. However, I think one of the things we've discovered is that since our wheelhouse is sidewalk counseling, Mm-hmm. That it's wise it to really focus is. there. That's <laughs> it's just right. what we know, and uh, you know we try to broaden and generalize as much as possible to help bless anybody who may be listening, who works with a pregnancy center or in any other kind of pro life ministry, or just in general is an inter- interested in pro life talk topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our vein, sidewalk counseling, I think we, I think we uh, probably are better to stay in that vein. <laughs> but this topic. Um, as it applies to her life ministry, is um, kind of a biblical train of thought in that we're talking about parables that really help us in ministry. Mm-hmm. Parables that give us good pictures, and that's what parables do, right? They give right. us a picture, yeah. kind of a, um, an everyday picture of whatever we're involved in to help us, I guess, bring it down to earth. Sure, because Jesus did that all the time. Yeah. He, he taught lessons through stories. Yeah, he did. And so that's what we're going to do. We're actually going to try to just talk through a couple of stories, a couple of biblical scenarios, maybe some scenarios that are uh, maybe extra biblical, mm-hmm. but not in a bad way. But use, useful <laughs> but, but in helping useful. paint a picture, right? Yeah. The Lord actually helps me a mm-hmm. lot of times with giving me pictures and analogies and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that that help me to say, oh, yeah, that's how this mm-hmm. works. And, mm-hmm. you know, analogies, of course, break down at some point. Mm-hmm. Parables break down at some point. But again, they are helpful. I mean, Jesus, yeah. like you said, used parables all throughout, and um, and they can help us mm-hmm. to, uh, to just come to terms with certain realities and, and connect certain dots. To I better guess. understand yeah, the lesson. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to be just mentioning three parables, mm-hmm. and each of these parables fits into a certain aspect of pro-life ministry, again, in particular, sidewalk counseling. And one of them is going to deal with the philosophy of sidewalk counseling, mm-hmm. the practice of sidewalk counseling, and the third one deals with the purpose, the purpose. and the primary goal yeah. of sidewalk so counseling. So three Ps. Yeah. Isn't that great for you guys? Four Ps to... if you count primary okay, goal. four Ps. So, right. Yeah. So like how we like to stay with that. We do the, like that. Alliteration Purpose, is great. Philosophy, practice, right. primary goal. Yeah, yeah. Because what's interesting is how you came up with this idea, Daniel, was you said these three parables were kind of running through your head, and you hadn't really quite tied together like why, mm-hmm. but as we were working through this, it became very apparent. One was talking about the philosophy, the underpinning of why we do what we do. Yeah. Another was how we do 
what we do or the practice of of what we do and then um the third one why we do what we do and it was kind of interesting how how that that really gives you a whole picture of a pro-life ministry yeah yeah absolutely and of course i believe Throughout our podcasts, we've probably touched on every one of these stories. Maybe not mm-hmm. the last story that we're mm-hmm. going to talk about, right? And the na- analogy, which I want you guys to be ready for, because it's going to be a really oh, fun a analogy. Yeah, it's, it's not a necessarily <laughs> a biblical analogy, but we do have a biblical analogy. We do for our third uh, third point here. Yeah. Um, but let's hop into philosophy of right. sidewalk counseling and the parable that I think really in the beginning of of cities for life and the mm-hmm. model of our ministry mm-hmm. is kind of fueled what we do and, and, and shaped what we do and kind of given us the framework for not just sidewalk counseling, but just this ministry in general. Yeah. And, and before you get into that, um, I, I, why is philosophy so important? And I remember when I started homeschooling, I was completely at a loss. I, I didn't want to, it was really, I was almost forced to, but a very wise mentor told me the first thing that you need to do. I'm overwhelmed with all the things to get set to start homeschooling, something I had never even heard of before I started it. She said, the first thing you need to do is develop your philosophy of homeschooling. Yeah. So philosophy kind of guides everything else, everything that you do. So it's a great place, I think, for us to start. Yeah. And I think one of the things also is not only that philosophy guides, Mm -hmm. but it also sustains. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I think a good philosophy of ministry, especially when you're involved in sidewalk counseling, sidewalk outreach ministry, because it can be such an intense ministry. Yeah. Spiritual warfare, the interactions with people are not always positive. Right. And so it's hard to... Listen, we have people that come out Mm -hmm. that, you know, their whole, whole philosophy of ministry people that come out to volunteer is that they want to they want to save these poor I was innocent just women say that save the world yeah. i'm going to save the world i yeah. found my purpose in life right I'm i want to save, save these the poor women from mm-hmm. this terrible mistake called right. abortion right i want to save these babies which mm-hmm. you know both of those you know often what i say the enemy of the best mm-hmm. is always the good mm-hmm. right so it's good to save women from the destructive mm-hmm. uh, nature of abortion to save babies of course right we we believe that that's good right but is that the best Mm-hmm. Now, really, the best is to bring glory to God, mm-hmm. right? It, our focus has to be on the Lord. Right. And in this parable, I think Jesus sets things in their proper perspective because uh, I won't say a bad philosophy of ministry for sidewalk counseling is to love your neighbor. It's not a bad, that's not a bad philosophy. That's actually right. a good mm-hmm. philosophy of ministry mm-hmm. to love our neighbor. Right. But the best philosophy of ministry is to love God. Mm-hmm. And then out of that flows a love for your neighbor. You know, Jesus talks about the two great commands. Mm-hmm. And what are they? What's well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right. And then he says the second command is like unto the first. That means they're tied together. Right. And which is love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And I'll say you can't actually properly love your neighbor until you first love God. Right. If you love your neighbor first, your motivation is, is, is flipped on its head. It's upside down. The cart is before the horse. Mm-hmm. Our love for our neighbor has to flow out of first and foremost our love for God. Because if you love your neighbor and that's the primary focus, you, you'll end up either compromising the truth or compromising the gospel, or you'll end up going to some other radical extreme. Right. You know, so yeah. we want to make sure our love for God is first, and that's where our philosophy of ministry 
really is important. Again, not just to, to get us out there and to keep us, but to sustain us. Mm-hmm. Because you can get burned out. You know, if you have a mentality and you know it well, yeah. when you, you know, you're going to come out here, you're going to save these poor innocent women from the terrible, the destructive nature of abortion. Right. And you find out, well, not all these women are poor innocent victims. They're actually fairly vile and they say some things to you that are that show that they're not just poor innocent Most victims. Most of them don't want to be saved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that you'll get burned really quick if yeah. that's your philosophy of ministry. So it's it's a love for God first. So let's right. jump into the parable that we have first okay. as it pertains to a philosophy of ministry, and that is Luke chapter 10. We've shared this with you guys before, which is the heart of our ministry. And verse 25, and this is Jesus sharing with a man who said, uh, um, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And that's when he talks about the two great commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the man asked, well, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. And then Jesus shared this parable, and this is in uh, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. He begins to share the parable in verse 30. He says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So here's this man mm-hmm. who is left half dead, naked in the ditch. And then, of course, the parable goes on. The Levite sees this man, passes by on the other side. The priest sees this man, passes by on the other side. And then a Samaritan comes. And the Samaritan sees the man, looks on him with compassion, and then goes into the ditch to get him out. Mm -hmm. And that is, again, the philosophy of our ministry is to go into the ditch, right? But it has to be motivated by a love for God first, because in line with this, this parable, that's what Jesus is talking about. Right. But we're not just going and talking to the man in the ditch. We're not just praying about the man in the ditch. Right. We're not just getting the community excited about doing something about the man in the ditch problem. Send someone else to go take yeah. care of that man yeah. in the ditch. Here am I. Send, <laughs> send someone <them>. else. <laughs> right. Here am I. Send them. Um, here am I. Send the politicians. I mean, if you think about it, right. a let lot of... Let the government of, deal with that man yeah. in the ditch. Let, let yeah. the government. We need to... Hey. We've got to do something about the man in the ditch. Let's bring it before the city council. Right. <laughs> not that any of that is bad. Right. But a, a Christian that sees a person in the ditch is not just going to vote about the man in the ditch problem. They're going to actually go into the ditch. And right. so that's what a sidewalk counselor does. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done as a ministry. Is we go to the ditches in our society, which are the abortion clinics. Yes. And in this case, of course, that baby is the one in the ditch. And that mother is the one in the ditch. So we want to go to them. We want to, with our voices, try to get them out of the ditch with the resources and things, put them on our animal. That's the picture, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so he, what does he do? He goes to the man in the ditch. He gets him out of the ditch, mm-hmm. cleans off his wounds. And so that's right. that's the picture of us sharing the gospel. What's the wound? Right. Right. What covers this person in sores and 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 despair? It's sin. sin There's right? sin. Yeah. And so we share yeah. the gospel. Yeah. And then we put them on our animal. And sometimes that literally means putting them in our vehicle, mm-hmm. driving them to a pregnancy center, driving them to a maternity home, which right. is the inn, right? right? That's the picture. Yeah. Take them to an inn, provide for their needs until they get on their feet. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the philosophy of ministry right. as it pertains to several right. counseling. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that in the inn is it, the innkeeper is paid for the ongoing care through through the Good Samaritan for the yeah. ongoing care. And that's very analogous to as we pass these moms off to mentorship programs through yeah. through our sister ministry, Love Life Charlotte, so that the ongoing needs will be addressed. It's not just that we're going to bo- put a bandage on the wound, which is better than what some people do, but 
that's not enough. That's yeah. not, God says that's not enough. You put the bandage on, you carry them to a place of healing, and then you provide for yeah. their ongoing needs. Yeah, one of the things that I will say is that you can't properly love your neighbor mm-hmm. like you're supposed to unless you love God first. Right. But you're not truly loving God if you're not loving your neighbor. It's like yeah. those two are tied very closely together because you do, you can say you love God all day long and leave your neighbor in the ditch. Look at the, the yeah. priest and the Levite. What do they do? Well, they're the right. religious people, but they don't care about the man of the ditch. Matter of fact, they pass by on the other side of the road. Did right. they truly love God? Right, yeah. Of course, of course not. not. That was It was evidenced in the fact that they walked by on the other side of the road that they didn't truly love God yeah. first. I always found it curious that the, the man, the, the rich man who is talking to, to Jesus, asking him, uh-huh. or talk, talking with him, and he, he has loved God apparently, he says, but that he asks, who is my neighbor? I always yeah. thought that that was an interesting question. Who is my neighbor? I wondered, was he trying to like limit who he would go and save, or was he truly wondering? Did he really have no clue, like, what parameters God would put on who yeah. was his neighbor or not his neighbor? Yeah, I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us why he asked that question, yeah. and and so we can speculate on why, but Jesus certainly did, so if there were some um, parameters that this man had put on who was his neighbor, Jesus certainly tore all of that down by introducing a Samaritan into the picture. That's right. Which was the, the dejected and the enemy yeah. of Jewish society at yeah. that time. Yeah, exactly. And then he he sort of, in a sense, well, and, and not just in a sense, just outright pits this Samaritan, who's mm-hmm. just an everyday nobody kind of guy, and again, dejected by Jewish people, against the priests and the Levites who were supposed to be like the pinnacle of of human existence in the Jewish mindset. And he pits them against each other and said, okay, this is the guy that pleased God. These guys didn't. Right, right. (laughs) And the neighbor was that guy in the ditch, someone in, you know, a very compromised, vulnerable position. So your neighbor is not necessarily someone that, you know, you're going to go bring him a pizza and he'll he'll bring you a pizza the next day. It's someone that there's no anticipation of any kind of reward from that person in the ditch. Yeah. This is a and, and I think that paints a, a very perfect and analogous picture to the unborn babies and these women who are often in pretty desperate yeah. situations. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, this next one I think could be I believe the philosophy one that's that's really important. Yeah. Understanding that we're supposed to love God first. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. This is mm-hmm. not just about love for the man in the ditch. It's about love for God. And because of that, we meet the needs of the man in the That's ditch, right. the mom and the baby. We are demonstrating our love for God by exactly. how we treat our neighbors. But the second one is really practical. Yes. And this is a picture that the Lord kind of spoke to my heart. And many people use this this scripture, Proverbs 31, verses 8 9, yeah. as it pertains right. to sidewalk counseling ministry. But I think there's some particulars in this scripture mm-hmm. that really help us. And this analogy... As you know, I'm really kind of maybe stretching the analogy. And so you guys call me out if you think I'm taking it too far, but I think it really fits in so many ways mm-hmm. with sidewalk counseling, with abortion minded women, with the abortion industry. And and so let's hop into it. It's yeah. Proverbs thirty one, eight and nine. You mm-hmm. guys have heard me quote quote this a thousand times and you'll hear it a thousand more. Mm-hmm. But it's open your mouth for the speechless in the calls or the case of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that sticks out immediately to me and probably would stick out to most American Christians is the word judge. 
We're told right. not to judge. Right. Yeah. The, matter of fact, that's one of the worst things that you can be accused of right. is judging people. Right. Not by the Bible, but by, <laughs> right. by others. Yeah. We are told you, you're not standards. a Christian because you're told thou shalt not judge, which right. of course isn't thou, in the Bible. I've even heard it in perfect <laughs> King James English. Okay. Thou shalt not judgeth. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, it's but, one of the Ten Commandments. I've heard that one <laughs> oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, is okay. it? I haven't read that. Yeah, yeah. But this analogy and this this scripture tells us to open our mouth, mm-hmm. and that's what we do in sidewalk counseling. We mm-hmm. open our mouth. We literally speak for those that can't speak for themselves. Right. But notice, as I was reading through this, it says, "Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause," and I. And I jumped in there and said the case, because that word cause can also mean case. Mm-hmm. And the analogy really here is. There is a person mm-hmm. who's innocent, who is scheduled to die, who's before a judge. That's, a portion that's the to die yeah. before a judge. Before a judge, and that judge is going to condemn that person to die. Right, and there's someone pleading yeah. the case. Yeah, and that. you know, we use the term sidewalk counselors, mm-hmm. and we're talking about, we, we did a podcast about that a long time ago, right. what is sidewalk right. counseling, you guys listen to that. Yeah. Um, but the word counselor, and I think I mentioned this in that podcast, is not just us sitting down and counseling with somebody. We're doing that. Yes. But also it has to do with like legal counsel. Yeah. You know, when you watch shows, if you've watched, you know, lawyer shows and, and, and these law and order shows, you know, and they say, counsel, what have you got to say about this? That's that's how the attorney is referred to is counsel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because they're not just counseling their 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 defendant there. <laughs> they're actually on behalf of that defendant giving counsel to the judge and actually pleading with the judge. Yeah, they're being an advocate. They are advocating for the life of their client. Yeah, absolutely. So how does that fit in with sidewalk counseling? And yeah. what's the what's the analogy? Well, here's the analogy. That baby is the innocent person that's scheduled to die, that's appointed according to the scripture. Appointed, appointed, appointed to die to and die. cannot, cannot yeah. speak. That, that unborn child cannot speak. And who is the judge in this mm-hmm, analogy? Mm-hmm. Well, this, this, this is an interesting part, because yeah. you guys might be tempted to think right away as you're thinking about a judge. Okay, who's the judge? Hmm. God. At my first thought yeah. was, oh, okay, it's God, yeah, but it's God's not. The judge. It's or not. even, okay, the abortionist. That's the right. judge. yeah. And yeah. you might even think that that would be the case. So who are we pleading our case to to tip the balance, yeah. to, to bring justice? Who are right. we pleading so, yeah, to? Yeah, and so the picture is here, guys, that we're appealing to someone. Right. As the judge, as the one who can slam down the gavel and say innocent or guilty, right. the one that can, can give a sentence that's to Condemned be carried out. Condemned or set free, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And that person in this analogy, when you're dealing with a woman going into the abortion clinic, mm-hmm. is the woman. That's right. She is the judge. Yeah. She is the judge in the jury. She is the one that gets to determine. Unfortunately, the way that, that the laws are set up in this country is that she can choose to kill her child through yes. abortion. Yeah. She can do that. And yeah. not it's not right before God. But in the situation that we're given in front of an abortion clinic, she can walk on in those doors. And so what we've got to do is we've got to appeal to her. Yeah. Just like we appeal to a judge. Now, I want you guys to listen real closely to this because this is really important because there's there's a mentality of people that go out to abortion clinics that think, I just show up and I just say whatever comes out of my mouth and that's great. Yeah. And listen, I understand that. And I appreciate those those first steps of faith and stepping yeah. out. Yeah. But if you're thinking about it, I believe in these biblical terms. And if that mother really is the judge... Are you just going to show up in a courtroom and there's a judge who you, he, he might be a selfish judge. He might be a left-leaning liberal judge, 
But if you're before that judge and you're supposed to be an attorney and you know there's a person that's scheduled to die and that judge mm-hmm. could slam down the gavel and say guilty, are you going to speak aggressively to that judge? You're going to speak in a way that will hopefully again make your case and yeah. make that judge want to listen to your case. So, of course, you're not going to speak in a way that's going to turn that judge off. But the other word that really grabs me here is how is that person supposed to judge righteously? Yeah. And so as you're pleading that case, you need to, your pleas, your advocacy needs to point that judge to righteousness. Yeah. And where do we find that? Well, in the Word of God. In the Word of God. In God's Word and God's truth. If you think about it, though, this analogy goes as far as even if you're a lawyer and you're advocating on behalf of that child Mm -hmm. to that judge, Mm -hmm. what's some of the things that lawyers use Mm -hmm. in order to prove that their client is not guilty and doesn't deserve the death penalty? Yeah, well, they use facts for sure, and they use facts that that will show that that client is innocent and that that client doesn't deserve to die. Evidence, you know, I have evidence evidence Mm -hmm. B, A, you know, they number Mm -hmm. the different pieces of evidence that they Mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think those kind of tie into the three talking points that we use right. in our sidewalk counseling yeah. training, which are what God says about this, what mm-hmm. God says about the baby, the mom, abortion, all of that, mm-hmm. and then the humanity of the baby and the resources that are available. So you're like, to the judge, you're trying to appeal and say, well, God says this child is valuable. God says your circumstance is not too hard, you know, yeah. as you're appealing to the mother. Yeah. So what God yeah. says about it is a, is a piece of evidence. That's right. The humanity of the baby, because the judge, the mother in this scenario, doesn't actually believe the baby is a human being in some mm-hmm. level, right? Mm-hmm. She's been convinced. She's believed some lies. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to combat those lies with evidence. And we're going to say, right. your baby is precious. Judge, this baby doesn't deserve, this This innocent person doesn't deserve to die. First of all, I've got to establish that it's a person, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I- use that as evidence. Has a heart that's already beating. Mm-hmm. Baby has brain waves at six mm-hmm. weeks. All the human DNA they'll yeah. ever have at the moment of conception. And then, of course, the resources. Mm-hmm. Here's all this evidence of why this child doesn't have to die, why this innocent person doesn't have to die. I know right. you think the situation is such, and we're, we're appealing again to the mother who is right. the judge in this situation. You think right. it's such that this baby is, is, has got to die. This person has just got to die because look at all these circumstances. Yeah. But look at the resources. Look at exactly. this, this evidence of the resources that show you that your circumstance is not impossible. That's right. And so so a good lawyer is always rational and logical, but I think all and I and I think that speaks to what you have just described. But I will say a good lawyer also does appeal to the emotions in that he he or she presents a case that sways you so that you sense rightness and wrongness, yeah, good and absolutely. evil. And and so there are some things that we say that are true facts because we would never lie but that also do appeal to the natural maternal instincts of of a mother for example one that really at least moves me is your baby has vocal cords developed by 12 weeks and that baby can cry in the womb and I say that not only as a fact and evidence but also there's an emotional picture that's painted when you say a baby can cry in the womb and when you picture that I think 
anyone yeah. with a shred of maternal instinct is going to be moved by that sort of a statement. So I do think that's that's an important part of, of good sidewalk advocacy. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I'll say, you know, it, it's true that at the moment of conception, this is like medical fact, right? And mm-hmm. so we use medical science. Right. That that baby at the moment of conception is a unique human being. Right. So I'll, I'll say that, but I'll also will appeal to the emotions by playing on that fact and say, there has never been, nor will there ever be another person like that baby you carry in your womb. Right. That's a that's a true statement, it but is. I'm using terminology and words that will appeal to her, her emotions, right. an emotional appeal. Right. And to imagine that emotional appeals are invalid because they're not based in, in science or the Word of God is is ridiculous. We give emotional appeals all the time, and emotional appeals should be given I mean, it's sort of like it's part of our humanity mm-hmm. is that we have these emotions. God appeals to his people, and you look through the prophets, how God emotionally appeals to the children of Israel to right. turn back to him. Right. He pours out, look what what I've done. I, I stretch out my hands all day long to a, a wicked and obstinate people. Yeah, and you, you get this, this picture of God being so weary with always reaching out, and yeah. we're not returning, and we're not coming yeah. to him. Or he gathers them as a hen, yeah. gathers her chicks under the wings. So, of course, if all of our advocacy, if all of our, as an attorney on behalf of that baby, is just wrapped up in emotions, well, we're going to miss the mark there, right? Right, right. Their emotions, though, on the other hand, they're def- definitely, I definitely agree with you, that that is only a very s- small yeah. portion of what we do. But their emotions have already been worked upon in a way that's against the case for the baby. Yeah, absolutely. By the abortion industry. Um, oh, you'll be so much better off. With, without this child, all those dreams and goals that you have. And yes, you really are too poor and unable. And, and just think how much better life will be without this yeah. child. So we want to work on emotions righteously and with facts, but emotions that are going to, again, sway them to truly regard their child the way that God would yeah. desire they regard their yeah, child. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of this, and of course, if you guys have listen, listened to us for any amount of time, you know this is the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. Yeah. We don't just make make emotional appeals. We're appealing from the Word of God. That's right. And we ought to. Yeah. Like the Word of God is what changes a heart, not just emotions or whatever. But God yeah. in His Word does make emotional appeals. Jesus makes emotional appeals. And, and we see this all through the Scripture. And again, as counselors on behalf of that baby, as attorneys on behalf of that baby, we're, we're appealing to the mother. And so you have to mm-hmm. think about this. Because there are folks that come out to an abortion center, like I've mentioned, mm-hmm. who just set up and they just preach and they mm-hmm. you know, bring a message of repent. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it. I understand that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not against a message of repentance. We're going, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. We're aiming for repentance. We want to, them to see their sin so that they'll repent. But that's, that's the key. We want them to see their sin. If, if yeah. all you do is say repent and yeah. you've not laid out the case for why abortion is sin, yeah. Then they don't really know what they are repenting of. Yeah. They don't really understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I've had people here in, in Charlotte stand in front of the abortion clinic on the sidewalk and literally just yell, repent, repent. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, they, you have to, first of all, explain what you're talking about when you're saying repent. Right. Because it is a word commonly used in, in, in church circles, and it should be. It's yeah. a biblical word. Yeah. But there's also a corresponding explanation with mm-hmm. the word repent. It means to turn away 
from what you're doing yeah. to something else. Correct. And so I think we need to be very explanatory when we're talking about repenting. When you're walking into an abortion clinic, what is it to repent? Well, it's to stop in your tracks, mm-hmm. to turn around and go the other mm-hmm. way. And repentance can mean coming over and talking to a sidewalk counselor. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it does mean leaving the abortion clinic. Right, right. So, again, we're appealing to that mother. She is the judge. Like it or lump it, mm-hmm. in this situation, she is the one that could slam down that gavel mm-hmm. and say, this child is guilty, condemned to death. Yeah. And you know what? We can call in other witnesses. Now, that isn't yeah. necessarily in, this, in this This analogy Proverbs. goes a long it way, does, let me tell but, you. <laughs> but I'm thinking as you're talking that, yes, she is the judge, but there are people do influence the judge in a, in a real courtroom. And in the courtroom of the abortion center, there, there are other witnesses that you can call in. And and I'm not talking about just other sidewalk counselors, but the other people that can influence that woman. And, and in, it's largely the father of the baby, Absolutely. if the father of the baby's on your side, friends, drivers, the mother of yeah. the abortion-minded mom, whatever. There are other people who could be called in. Their testimony could be called upon to also sway that judge yeah, the mother absolutely. in which which way she's going to go yeah and if you think about it we've seen this play out a lot many we've times had young men standing out there shooting the breeze waiting for their girlfriend to have the abortion and come back out and i'll right. try to appeal to him if, right. if i can win him over mm-hmm. and convince him lay out a case to him and win him over to become a witness mm-hmm. on behalf of that baby you see how this analogy is so, it's so, rich. so good it goes, it's so it goes good. a long way <laughs> and if i can get him to be a witness on behalf of that baby my words could just fall to the ground but his words will have far more weight than mine yeah and he can convince the judge right hey judge and i mean let's think about it what if for example this is the judge's sister Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you could have a listen if you were going to go before a judge as a as a lawyer and plead the case for an innocent person what if you were good friends with the judge's sister you right. think maybe you can put in a good word? You know, you think right. maybe you can do some yeah. kind of behind-the-scenes talking, you know? I mean, I'm maybe talking a little bit of underhanded stuff here. but Which we wouldn't do. But. We wouldn't do. But in the scenario when we've got an abortion um, an abortion engaged woman inside the We're abortion gonna clinic. We're going to call in those influences. Her sister's out in the parking lot yeah. waiting for her. Yeah. If I can convince her, hey, go in there and influence the judge. Go in there yeah. and influence this mother yeah. and talk to her. Tell her that we'll help her. Tell her that her baby is precious. I mean, we have literally seen this play out. Absolutely. And we've seen lives saved because we're taking the time to try to influence witnesses on behalf of that baby. Yeah, I got another good one. Okay. This is so good. So so, um, all judges are impressed by the attorneys, the advocates, who can say, you must make this decision because of some precedent, right? Absolutely. So as I'm thinking about our abortion-minded moms, so often we see them walk in with another child. There's a child in the car. And so the precedent is you gave life, you brought to term that other baby that's in the backseat of your car. Does that baby have value? Do you love that baby? Is that baby precious? Was that baby precious from the moment of conception? All of which she'd have to answer yes, logically. Well, the precedent has been set. Yeah, absolutely. You know the value of your children. Yeah. And that baby in the womb. And even is the precedent valuable. of the faithfulness of God. That's you know, a good I, one I will too. mention that. Yes. Wasn't yes. God faithful whenever you were pregnant with this child and he carried you through and you're here yeah. today isn't that child a blessing yeah even sharing testimonies again testimony yes. yeah of people who we've encountered mm-hmm. that have chosen life in similar situations to that mother 
will help, right? Yeah. right? It'll help sway the judge. So anyway, guys, I hope this is a helpful analogy. Yeah. Because again, we're trying to persuade the judge, who is the mother in this situation, that her baby is innocent and doesn't deserve to die. Also, yeah. you don't know, want you to think about how you would talk to a judge. Because again, I see some some aggressiveness in front of abortion clinics where people are really aggressive. And or name calling. Or name calling. Mm-hmm. Or whatever right. they're doing. Yeah. Think about though you're standing in front of a judge, and again, this judge might be a total like, <laughs> you know, in in, in our world view, left leaning, yeah. <laughs> total just has has no point of contact with you at all as far as anything politically or whatever. Yeah. And you know, in any other scenario, you would just be in a in a very confrontational conversation with this person calling out all their wrongs but if you're standing before them and they're the judge and there's an innocent person that's that can potentially die you're going to speak a little softer well in an actual courtroom you rise you call them your honor and you treat them with absolute respect and i i think that is again biblical i think we are called to treat each other with respect that's part of being a good neighbor and and honoring god and how more important when in this analogy, if the person you're trying to influence, if you're disrespectful to them, that they have no reason to trust you or to listen to you yeah. in, in their mind. Yeah. And so. I've even seen, let's just take again this analogy. You're mm-hmm. standing in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. You're an attorney on behalf of a person that you know is innocent. Mm-hmm. And you're appealing to the judge and you begin to get aggressive and you begin to get like, condemning toward the judge mm-hmm. and that judge speeds up the trial and says you know what right guilty that's exactly you know? right and that yeah. happens a lot i've yeah. seen it in front of the abortion clinic here in charlotte and other mm-hmm. abortion clinics where you have a mom that's walking in slowly mm-hmm. she's walking from her car to the door mm-hmm. and you've got someone who's calling out to that person in an aggressive way that's just over the top don't go in there and murder your child you're a murderer if you have an abortion and then that woman speeds up exactly. <laughs> she, she slaps the gavel down even quicker she's not considering yeah. it's almost like you've pushed the judge to go yeah. ahead and make a decision whereas she would actually consider your evidence yeah. if you would just be patient slow down a little bit speak a little soft a little more softly appeal to them and again it's ultimately it's the lord that's going to change the heart. But right. we have to be working alongside what the Lord is doing, right? And the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's mm-hmm. slow to anger mm-hmm. and rich in loving kindness. Doesn't mean he, he doesn't get angry. He certainly does. Yeah. But the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God, the Bible mm-hmm. says. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I tell folks, listen, if there's any place where it's justifiable to get angry mm-hmm. and to just lose your your mind, it's a, it's in front of the abortion clinic. It is. I get it. I understand yeah. that, but it's not helpful mm-hmm. because you're gonna you're not gonna persuade that judge. As a matter of fact, you might push that judge to make a, a premature decision. That's right. <laughs> and and the executioner is the abortionist. Yeah. And and the and that's it's life or death. It's very it really important. Is. It's yeah. very important what's happening out there. Yeah. So that analogy is very helpful in yeah. so many ways, and there's so many other aspects that, that we could bring into play here, um, but I hope it helped you guys. Let's pop into our next one. Yeah, Purpose and, uh, and primary goal. Yeah. Our purpose the purpose and, our and primary, primary goal. goal. And primary goal is so important because in, in any pro-life ministry, no matter what kind of pro-life ministry you're in, there are all kinds of competing things that... Uh, take your attention sometimes away from that primary purpose and to the point where it can destroy a ministry if it becomes so fragmented, so distracted. And I think maybe no place more so than at that 
place of life and death right yeah, in front of an yeah. abortion center. And this is, mm-hmm. at the abortion center, literally the last moments That's right. before that judge That's right. is going to slam that gavel and say, guilty. Yeah. Death. Yeah. <laughs> the death penalty. Yeah. And so that's why there again, are no appeals. Yeah, there aren't there's, any there's appeals. No appeals. Once that baby's it's, life yeah. is taken, it's, that's right. There's there's no appeal to that. Yeah, and so we have to you know be tactful in the way that we we speak to the judge, mm-hmm. but we have to also understand taking it to to a different analogy, which is right, a fun right. analogy. Yeah, is that there's going to be distractions. Mm-hmm. Abortion is the devil's pride and joy. Yeah, <laughs> if you're in front of an abortion clinic. Don't be surprised if the enemy sends distractions. Mm-hmm. And the picture I give people is, I said, imagine the abortion clinic. And imagine just abortion in general is a big, steamy pile of manure. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because it's bad. It, and it stinks it what's stinks. going on there. It's a yeah, mess. It is. And we've been called by God to clean up the mess. Right. And we're using our gospel shovels because we know that the gospel is the only thing that's going to clean up the mess. Gospel shovels. I like that. You like that? (laughs) We're using our gospel shovels made by Acme, you know, (laughs) the company that makes all the good stuff. And we're there to clean up the mess, right? And we're, we're, Keeping our head down and we're scooping. It's right? a big mess, and it's we're going to be busy for a long. We're going to be time. busy for a while. Yeah. But what happens with a big steamy pile of manure? Well, it attracts sadly flies it and other icky flies things of yeah. all kinds. Yeah. And, and this is kind of funny. It attracts flies. You know, those green shiny kind, uh-huh. <laughs> horse yeah. flies. Oh, yeah, and they your sting. common household fly. Right. All kinds of flies. <laughs> it it attracts and flies. They come for all different kinds of reasons. Some yeah. come to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Some come to lay eggs. Some cl- come just because everybody else is going. You know. <laughs> Some are well-meaning flies. They want to help you clean up the mess. But it's, they're flies nonetheless. Right. And so, why do I use this analogy? It's because we, as Gospel-centered sidewalk counselors, shovelers, gospel-centered shovelers, <laughs> will get distracted in swatting flies. Right. Yeah. And when you get distracted in swatting flies, and one example is pro-abortion people. Yeah. People that are coming out there, the escorts, uh, you know, counter air quotes counter protesters, they want to try to get you distracted in talking to them. Mm-hmm. And I've seen pro-lifers. I listen. I've done it myself where I let those people, the pro-abortion people, be the focus. They're out there in their bright vests, and, yeah. and I just abhor what they stand for because right. they stand for murder. And they're so and, deceived, and you yeah. so desperately want to set oh, them straight. Oh, and some straight. of them are just nasty and people, too. Are, and they say things yes. that push your buttons. Yeah. And you get distracted. Yeah. And even though you were appealing to that mother, this mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why distractions are, are just not a not a good thing and distractions in this way especially you know you've you've graciously appealed to that abortion minded mom she's gone into the abortion clinic she's considered what you said she's gone on into the abortion clinic she yeah. might actually come back out and talk to you who knows yeah. meanwhile you've gotten distracted swatting flies you're arguing with a pro abortion advocate and that woman who saw you as she was going in, you're really nice and kind, and she's thinking, maybe yeah. I want to go out there and talk. Now looks out the window and sees you're out there fighting with one of the pro-abortion right. people. Right. And so the same stuff she's got going on in her heart, the confusion, the angst, the anger, she's seeing out there on the sidewalk, and she's like, well, <laughs> they got nothing more than what I got going on. I'm not going to talk to that person. Yeah, I don't need to listen or, to that. Or, you know, and, and if you think about it, what's happened in that scenario, with this analogy, mm-hmm. you've dropped your shovel, yeah, and you've dropped it in the manure and right. it splashed up on you. That's right. <laughs> you know? You're going to pick up a dirty shovel, yeah, and it's all up, over it's, your hands, and it's going to slip and slide, and you have mess. lost your effectiveness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's why we've got to be careful. Also, you know, I've seen it where 
it'll attract, remember I said some well-meaning flies? There's some, <laughs> you know, quote, pro-lifers or whatever that come out there. Right. And the reality is they're just there because, hey, it looks like fun just to be there. Yeah. And they end up being a distraction. Then you find yourself arguing with them, arguing mm-hmm. methodology, right. arguing theology out in front mm-hmm. of the abortion clinic. And listen, I'm a theology geek, okay? I read theology. I like theology. I study th- theology. Theology is important. It does right. matter. Yes. The people that say mm-hmm. theology doesn't matter don't know their Bibles. <laughs> theology does matter. But arguing theology in front of an abortion clinic is swatting flies. I'm telling yeah. you, it's swatting flies. That can be had in some other context. But again, if you're arguing with your with each other, and I don't care what what you say, you might not be with that group, or you may mm-hmm. say, well, we, we disassociate with that group. But from an abortion-minded mom, again, that judge, looking from that side to the sidewalk where you are, she sees one group of people. That's doesn't right. matter how separated That's you right. are. Doesn't matter if you've got two different kinds of T-shirts mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Both uh, groups or all three groups or whatever that are standing on the on the pro-life side of the sidewalk, so to speak, yep. are all one monolithic group to her. So if you're yep. fighting among yourselves again, you're displaying nothing but the same confusion, angst, and all that stuff that she's got going on in her heart. Right. And again, you're swatting flies. Right. Right. Another funny example is we have, and and it's just like so. Obvious, that's what this is. But we have a, a man who, at the abortion clinic here, owns a business just around the corner. Right. Yeah. And he walks through almost every day mm-hmm. uh, on his lunch hour, and he just rails on us for teaching false theology, for believing that God is triune. So we're idolaters. <laughs> he calls us idolaters, his, yeah. Trinity yeah. God worshipers. Right. And he wants to get, and listen, I've gotten in those conversations. Mm-hmm. I've talked to him lengthy conversations for an hour. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It was just swatting flies. He was just a distraction that came to get me focused off of why I was there. You know, when you feel called to go to an abortion clinic, that's a that's a pretty unique calling. You know, for a lot of Christians, it just never would enter into the equation for them. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a lot more Christians that that are called out there than actually go. But when you got that calling, understand you didn't God didn't call you to go out there and reach the pro-abortion escorts. He didn't call you to go out there and reach, reach the security guards. Even though they're all valuable. Exactly. They're all important. I'm not, I'm not equating they're, them they're with like flies ig- because they're not valuable human beings. Right. It's just an analogy. Right. So it right. breaks down exactly. there. They're human beings. Yeah. They're made in God's image. Yeah. God would save them in a moment if they would turn to him. Yeah. But he didn't call you there to reach them. Right. They may get reached by kind of default, right? You're preaching the gospel. They're hearing the gospel, mm-hmm. right? God could reach they're them. They're seeing life And saved. certainly there are times when it's appropriate to have a conversation with them. Right. But if you let them be the focus, mm-hmm. you're going to get distracted. You're going to drop your shovel, your gospel shovel, in the mess. You're going to get the mess on you, and it's not going to go so well. Right. Take it from me. Yeah. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Don't get distracted swatting flies. Now, what in the world... Does this have to do with the Bible? And there are, there are actually many, many examples in the Bible of leaders doing good work, doing yeah. good ministry called by God, who get distracted by things that are valuable and important. Yeah. And in doing so, they their effectiveness in their main ministry is dampened. Yeah. And so well, they, it's, it's like I said when we started out, the good is always the enemy of the best. Right, right. They get distracted. They get off course. And one of those stories is the story of Moses. Yeah, it's great, great, and great, you know, and and probably more appropriate than than even your manure and flies. Yeah, maybe, maybe. (laughs) And so where's that story at? Okay, so so that story is in Exodus 18. Okay, Exodus 18. And, And really the 
the story where Moses gets distracted and how he uh, learns to deal with that, based yeah. on wise counsel, is pretty much in verses 13 through 27. Okay. Well, I'm not going to read all of that. You guys can read that. But basically, the picture is... God called Moses mm-hmm. to be a deliverer of the children of Israel. Right. To go down to Egypt to deliver his people. You guys know the story, the ten plagues. Ultimately, Moses leads the children of Israel through the wilderness. Yeah. But some things happened in the wilderness, and the children of Israel, uh, Israel certainly got distracted yeah. <laughs> from getting to the promised land. Yeah, yeah. And for 40 years wandered in the wilderness. Yeah. But Moses was called to lead them. Right. He was called to lead them to the promised land. Right, right. But he gets distracted. Yeah, they're grumbling. They have all kinds of complaints and problems, and they go to Moses, and they and they say to Moses, because he's the leader, solve these. Solve yeah. these problems. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a lot of people. He's so got a, he's a, got a large of group of people, and they want him, Moses, we need you to sort through all of our issues. Right. I've got an argument with my neighbor here. I need you to sort through that. Right. I've right. got a, a little bit of concern here with, with the law that you gave or yeah. with some of these rules and stuff, and I'm not really sure. Can you clarify here? Right. Can you give some clarity here? Can yeah. you speak into this situation? Yeah. And yeah. so Moses, though he's called to deliver and lead the children of Israel through the wilderness to the promised land, is getting distracted with all kinds of other complaints yeah. and all kinds of other concerns. So he's growing weary mm-hmm. and he's growing overwhelmed. Not, not distraction can lead to many other terrible things. Just oh, absolutely. just being just overburdened, and that was what happened yeah. with Moses. He was overburdened with all this, and he didn't even recognize it, which I think is interesting. It was it was his father in law who who recognized it. Moses himself was just doing his best and scurrying, trying to solve all of this. Yeah. And well, and so, then he's called on, hey, you cannot do all this. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's... Yeah, well, here it is. So It says, so when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Mm-hmm. Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you morning until evening? He's, he's judging till all of evening. these people. That's not leading. Ooh. That's standing there solving all these exactly. petty issues. So and rather than lead them through the wilderness mm-hmm. and really getting with God, and yeah. getting direction from the Lord, because that's what Moses was doing, spending time with the Lord, getting direction from him, and being right. led through the wilderness. Right. Um, he's dealing with all these everyday quarrels with the people. Yeah. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, so that we want you, Moses, to be the mediator between God for us. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That's a good oh, thing. Oh, it's a They're great thing, right? God. But so is here, it the best? <laughs> it, but is it the best? Right. Yeah. And so Moses' father-in-law goes on to say, this is not a good thing. Yes. What you're doing okay. is not... He's basically saying, Moses, you're getting distracted from the main thing here. Yeah. You're dropping your shovel in the manure. <laughs> right. You're getting the mess on you, right? right. Is it good right. to reach pro-abortion people? Yeah. yeah. For the Lord, just it as these people good, wanted right? to be inquired for the I mean, Lord. If you're an, in front of an abortion clinic for any amount of time, you'll get questions from people that yeah. will try to distract you, especially yeah. talking to pro-abortion people. I mean, I've had quote, good conversation with the pro-abortion mm-hmm. people yeah. about theology, about the existence of God. But guess what? I find out I'm sitting here talking to this person mm-hmm. about whatever you want. I mean, they'll, they'll take you around the mountain. You'll think, okay, I'm going to reach this person, right? And listen, God can do it, so I'm not discounting that. Yeah. But you give every apologetic under the sun, and you find out you, you've actually began— and ended in the same place. Right. right? They I mean, were not listening to you. They were distracting you. And yeah. while you're having that conversation with that pro-abortion person, there's a mom that just zipped into the driveway, just walked into the door of the abortion clinic, right. and she didn't get 
any kind of Christian voice, right. no appeal to her, no, no because all of your attention was focused on that pro-abortion That's right. person. That's right. There was no one speaking yeah. for that baby. In the same way in this story with Moses, mm-hmm. he's poured into these people. He's mm-hmm. sorting through their issues. They're bringing their things before him. And mm-hmm. rather than being the deliverer that he's called to be, he gets distracted yeah. and becomes a judge between the people. Right. Jethro right. ultimately gives him some wise counsel and says, yeah. hey, you need to find some other guys mm-hmm. that Delegate. can do this. Delegate, Delegate to good what you're doing. Men. Yeah. Yeah. And so hopefully that helps you guys. That picture helps you guys because it can you can easily get distracted out there. And there can be some delegation of things within sidewalk counseling. I mean, we've done it as far as we've got a big enough team. Mm-hmm. The pro-abortion people, we, we know because we've read their training information. So we're, right. we're cued into what they're doing. When they're trying to get us in conversations, we know it's because they want to distract us from engaging with bo- abortion-minded women. Right. They say that in their training. Yeah. And so what we do is kind of turn their tactic on them. When we've got a big enough team, we'll send somebody to go and talk to them and get an endless conversation so that if a vehicle stops, for example, they don't come and jump in between the person talking to that lady in the car and interrupt the the conversation so that they drive on in. They're in a conversation with us. Right. And they don't want to pull away from it because we're trying to be compelling in in all that we're saying. Of course, we're kind and loving. We have delegated (laughs) so that we can keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and not get distracted by flies. Yeah. I'm a little curious about what those ma- well-meaning flies are. <laughs> <laughs> the well-meaning flies are, like I said, some of the Christians that show up. Well, I know that. Have, that. I meant real well-meaning flies. I'm not familiar with any oh, real Oh, well, that was just part flies. of the analogy. That's maybe where, where it actually breaks down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, the picture is don't get distracted. Yeah. Why are you there? Focus yeah. on why you're there. So hopefully this helps you guys with sidewalk counseling ministry mm-hmm. and uh, maybe just pro-life ministry in general. Yeah. These analogies help me for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, share these analogies with other people, especially the fun manure one, because I yeah. think it is fun. Yeah. And I think it really helps. Yeah. But uh, the one and about if you're the judge, raising up sidewalk counselors and training other sidewalk counselors, I think those three or any pro-life ministry, I think those three areas are all really, really important mm-hmm. to to keep in mind: your philosophy, your practice, and your purpose. Yeah, and how to stay focused Absolutely. to that purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the judge analogy really does help. To, it does. Uh, to I keep think keep us it does. focused on. on you, who we're trying to reach there. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to save that innocent baby, mm-hmm. but we're appealing to the judge. So hope these were a blessing to you guys. Share a little bit of feedback with us. If you want to shoot me an email, dparks at citiesforlife.com. Vicki is vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com. Check out our Sidewalks for Life site. I think we're going to put this out as an article. Yeah, I think it's already on, out there. Even. Okay. Yeah. On Sidewalks for Life, uh, sidewalks4life.com. Share this mm-hmm. podcast. Until next time, God bless. Give me for love Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life Nothing's too precious since I met you